Welcome, 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 welcome everybody to another episode of Don't Be Broke, Be Woke. I'm your host, Adrian Solomon. Excited to have you guys here today on another kind of Financial Literacy Month episode where we're going to talk about some basics of financial independence since um, we really want to focus on kind of getting back to the basics when it comes to things that people should have or at least should prepare for when it comes to financial freedom, financial literacy, financial independence. The podcast is all about saving money, making money, saving for retirement, making sure that we're investing properly for the future. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to really dive into five or six accounts that I think are key for financial independence. I'll list them, I think, in order of importance, potentially. If you're someone that's just starting out and don't have any of those accounts, then you can kind of start that way. If you're someone that has some of these accounts, you can kind of go from there. But these are just accounts that I think are essential and making sure that each one of us have kind of what's necessary when it comes to making sure we're we're financially sound. So if you want to get ahead with money, right? Like if if you want to make sure that you have money set aside for pretty much almost every single aspects of your life, it's a lot easier when you actually have a place for that money to go, right? So if you don't have a goal in place for your money, as soon as you get paid, that money is going to be used for something, whatever, right? So your money needs to be allocated somewhere. Every single dollar needs to be allocated somewhere. And I know at first it might sound tedious, but it isn't if and when you automate your expenses and how you automate your investments and your savings. So typically what happens, and I think I've talked about this before, but people will get paid and everybody's getting paid except you. Well, why? You're the one working hard. Why are you the last person to get paid? Shouldn't you be the first one to get paid? Yeah. So make sure that you're basically paying yourself first. So that money that you're getting paid should be going to a certain place. So where should that money be going? Well, first and foremost, this doesn't really apply if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Because again, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, that means whatever money you make is being stretched to pay all your expenses where you may not even have enough money to buy or pay essentials. So this obviously is a different conversation and needs to be addressed based on some folks that have money left over after they get paid. I promise we'll discuss how to potentially get your paycheck to paycheck to no longer be a paycheck to paycheck conversation. For today, I really want to talk about the six accounts that I think everyone needs to have for financial freedom. And again, you don't actually have to have all these accounts right off the bat and right away, or even all at once for that matter. But it's a good idea to eventually have them all because they all serve a different purpose, especially based on different points in your life that you might feel like you need one over the other. So let's kind of start with what I think is the most basic account that everyone should have. And that I think when I say basic, I mean basic. And this is online or high yield savings account or HYSA. Typically, these accounts are online banks or banks that don't have brick and mortar stores for the most part, like a Chase or Bank of America or Wells Fargo or those sorts. So this is an account where your money's going to build your emergency fund. So look, 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. You cannot, and I repeat, you cannot be financially free and create a path to financial freedom without making sure that you have an emergency fund. And that emergency fund is there three to six months of expenses to make sure that if ish goes down, you're not getting into your investments, you're not going into your 401k, you have money set aside to um, cover those expenses. One of the biggest reasons people go into debt is because they don't have an emergency fund. And why, you might add? Because when things come up, they have to pay with their credit cards. And you might say, well, isn't that what a credit card is there for? Sure, if that's what you want it to be there for. But what happens when you can't pay off the credit card? Because it becomes an expense. If you didn't have the money to pay for the emergency, now you've added an additional expense to your balance sheet. And so now you have to pay an additional bill, right? Sure, it got you out of trouble, which is good, right? It's better to to pay off with the credit card and not paying it off or not paying whatever you need with, with nothing. But it would be better to have an emergency fund to help you cover that. And so let, let's kind of talk about a, a specific story because I think it's important to understand how that this emergency fund can come in, in handy. So one of the reasons why I'm doing this episode is because I was having a, a session with someone and we were just conversating. And I kind of asked this person how many, you know, what kind of accounts that they currently have. And they mentioned that they had a 401k, which I'll talk about, and a savings account. And I said, great. What do you have your savings account for? And basically, the savings account was for two things. One was for saving, like basic saving, like think of it as in retirement saving. And then the other was for emergencies. So they had two separate savings accounts, but they both, I don't want to say were there for the same thing, but they were just basic savings accounts, which, by the way, great, great starting point. So I'm not going to touch the whole, I had the saving waiting for retirement because I think I've discussed keeping your money in a savings account for retirement. But just for the sake of this discussion, and I said, oh, great. How come you have an emergency fund? And the person explained that a couple of years ago, they were working at a company that basically downsized and they laid off, I think, five to seven people within the company, including that person. And I guess the job market at the time in this particular city in which this person lived was pretty scarce. And so it took, I think, four months for that person to find a job. That person had some pretty close coworkers who also were let go. And those folks were struggling. Those folks were behind in, in some of their bills. One person's car got repossessed because they didn't have the money. Thankfully for this particular person, they had an emergency fund that basically helped them coast. By coasting, meaning they didn't actually have to, not to say that they didn't have to worry, but they weren't put in a worse situation because they actually had money to continue to pay for their major expenses. One being, do you have a roof over your head? And two, if you have a car payment, are you able to pay for the car that I need to go front and to and from interviews because I need a job. And so those two were essential things. And of course, there were other things like cell phones, blah, blah, blah. But at least that person had the emergency fund for that. And I remember the person telling me, hey, Adrian, what's hilarious about this is I I actually built this emergency fund because they kept telling me to build an emergency fund and I built it without ever thinking that I would ever need it. And not only did I need it, it actually kept me afloat all the way through even when I got the job because of course I was I was I was catching up on other stuff. So 
I thought that was an interesting conversation with someone who was obviously trying to get their their financial situation in a better case because they weren't investing, they were just saving. But at least having that that emergency fund was a big thing. And so a high yield savings account, I use Ally and Discover. They're both at 0.50 APY or annual yield. What I like with Ally, and I think I've recommended it for a couple people that listen to the podcast as well. What I like with Ally is it allows you to actually create multiple savings goals within that savings account. So you can actually have a savings account and then within that savings account, you can actually say, okay, I have my emergency fund money. I have my, you know, purchase for, you know, vacation, blah, blah, blah. And then you can classify all these savings specific bucket goals within your savings account. And what I also like with Ally, if you have a checking account, which I do have, is you can do roundups, which is anytime you use your debit card, it transfers money and you can tell it where you want those roundups to go. Do you want it to go in your emergency fund? Do you want it to go in your other? There are other things like surprise savings. So if you have your money in your checking, do you want them to like transfer money out of the blue, small amount, like 20 bucks or $15 out of the blue from the check into the savings? So it's a really kind of fun way to build your saving buckets. So financial freedom, the process is a journey and it should be fun. So I think Ally for one makes it fun because it puts all these different kind of tools in your hand. So definitely look at high yield. And I use high yield instead of a Chase or Bank of America, whatever, just because if that money is going to sit there and you don't want to put that in the stock market, but that money is going to sit there at least get some interest back in return, that's better than 0.004. I mean, I'm sorry, 0.004, or whatever the average uh, yield is for these savings accounts. So definitely have an online savings account or high yield savings accounts to make sure that you're putting money away three to six months of expenses at least in that. The second account, and I think, you know, I've actually had an episode about this, but Everyone, I think, if possible, should have a 401k or an employer-sponsored retirement account plan. And why do I think that's an important piece? Well, because, look, if you have a 401k and the company matches, but even if the company doesn't match, but let's just say the company doesn't match. If the company matches, then bonus. But if the company doesn't match, you're able to save for retirement pre-taxed. And that money's going to a retirement account that you cannot touch, that you should not touch. Let me just put it that way. So in essence, if you're saving 15% of your salary, that's kind of the idea, the ideal number that you should be saving. If you're saving 15% of your income every year, when you retire, you should have ample money to fit your retirement. So if you have a 401k and you're contributing to that 401k and money's coming out, then that's money that you don't have to out of sight, out of mind, right? So it's an account that I think is necessary for everybody to have. If you have a 401k, I repeat, and you are not, if your company is providing you with your 401k and you are not contributing to that 401k, that's like coming to my house and robbing me. Yes, that's right. You are robbing me. Because that is just wrong. Couldn't find a better analogy, but that's just wrong. You should be contributing. Here's 
kind of another reason why you should, besides the fact that you're obviously saving for retirement. I'm going to use a dumb number, but let's just say you make 100K, okay? And you contribute $20,000 a year, which by the way, the max is 19,005, but I'm just going to use 20K just because I feel like it. When you get taxed, you're getting taxed at $80,000. You don't think that makes a difference? How much you get taxed? So if you make $50,000 and you decide, you know what? I'm going to save $5,000 a year. Okay. So you're going to get taxed at 45K. If you don't think that makes a difference, go back and do the math. Go and do the math and see how much more taxes you actually become. Matter of fact, if you decide not to contribute, you're going to get taxed more, which means your actual biweekly check could potentially be lower because you're thinking, you know what? I cannot afford to put money into a 401k, so I'm just not going to do it. The fact that you're not doing it means Uncle Sam is taking more from your check. Whereas if you are, Uncle Sam is taking less from your check, which in turn means you actually could be getting bigger check back because Uncle Sam's taking less. And I know you're probably thinking, well, you know, it's being double dip for the 401k is being taken out, Uncle Sam, but Uncle Sam's taking it based on a lower tax bracket. So it's a good advantage. It's a double advantage to have that 401k. If you have one, contribute. If you don't know, call your HR benefit administrator today and make sure that you're set up and putting money in it. If they're maxing it, put up to max. It's huge, 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 huge. If you don't have access to a 401k because either your company doesn't offer it or whatnot, then you're able to get a Roth, an IRA. And this is the third account on the list. There's a rollover IRA, but that's if you're going from one company to another and you want to roll over that 401k. There's a rollover IRA, but for this discussion, we're just going to focus on traditional IRA and Roth IRAs. So the Roth IRA provides some great benefits. So if you don't have access to a 401k, you can contribute to a traditional IRA where if you put your money, it's going to be considered pre-tax. So at the end of the year, when you file your taxes the next year, you can say that you've put X amount into an IRA. And so the IRS will then basically say, oh, because you put that money into a traditional IRA, even though we took money from your paycheck because you didn't have a 401k, we took money out of your paycheck regular." We're going to tax you as if these would have been pre-tax dollars. So it actually helps you just like if you had a 401k. Now, the only drawback with an IRA is that whereas a 401k, you can actually contribute up to $19,500 a year. With an IRA, you can only do $6,000 a year. And you're probably like, $6,000 is still a lot of money. Sure is, five, 500 bucks a month. But $19,500, I mean, that's... And not everybody can put that much, right, guys? I'm not talking about everybody. People should be doing it. But the fact that there is a max of 6000 can be a rendrance for people, especially if they make more money. So something to keep in mind when it comes to an IRA. So the Roth IRA, on the other hand, is a real tax benefit because, you know, when you put your money in, you're putting your money after taxes. So unlike the traditional, it's you're putting your money in a, a Roth IRA after taxes. And so the benefit there, of course, is that when you actually take your money out, it's actually tax-free. So why not have a Roth IRA? Why would anyone not have a Roth IRA? $6,000 is the limit to 500 bucks a month. You go ahead and you basically invest into that Roth IRA. And then 
when you're ready to retire or whichever, you can pull your money tax-free. I mean, I'm shrugging here because I see this as a no-brainer, right? No-brainer. I don't know anybody on earth that sits around and be like, I can't wait to pay taxes. I can't wait for me to basically make all this money and for the government to take all my taxes. No one says it. And the government thinks that this account is so important that they're only basically giving you only $6,000 to contribute. Because they know if they basically made it $20,000, people would literally put $20,000 in there. Because they know if you can put $20,000 in the account every year and that money is growing because you're investing in it, when you pull it out, it's tax-free. I mean, where would the government make any money at this point? So, of course, they're only capping it at 6000 So that way, it's not growing too much. So whatever taxes you can make from it that would be potentially paid is minimalized by the fact that you're only putting $6,000 a year, which, again, $6,000 a year is still a lot of money, but not as much as, say, for a 401k, for example. So a Roth IRA is definitely you know, one of these kind of vehicles that I think is necessary for people to have if they already have some of the other accounts established, such as, you know, like a savings account and a 401k. So the fourth account, and at the end of this, I'll kind of kind of talk about kind of the best places to open some of these accounts so you guys can have some idea and then kind of give you some some information is where you can find some of that on my Instagram. But the fourth account, which I also talk about is one of my favorite accounts, if not my favorite account, which is the health savings account or HSA. So I have it here as the fourth account, but it could be first. However, because again, you have to have some of these other accounts established to make sure you're set. I have this fourth. One of the other reasons why it's fourth is because this account has one restriction to it is that not everybody can have it. Whereas some of the other accounts, anyone in the U.S. can just open one of these accounts or have one of these accounts. The health savings account only comes, is only accessible to you if you actually have a qualified health plan, which is a high deductible health account. So if you don't know what that is, Typically, there are HMOs and PPOs and POSs and whatever else acronyms people use for their health insurances, which are pretty straightforward. They basically pay kind of a flat copay, but your premiums are high, right? You do have a deductible. Deductible is probably like a couple hundred bucks, maybe 500 tops, and your premiums are high, especially once you start adding people to it. The high deductible health plan is really looked at for, look, I don't go to the doctor much. I don't have any really chronic issues. I don't, I'm not at the hospital every other week. So your deductible is going to be high, but you have this health savings account. And so you can contribute up to 3,500 bucks a year. That money goes in it. But what's great about it is that it actually has a triple tax benefit. So it's pre-tax. The money goes in. The money grows tax-free and you can withdraw it tax-free. Whatever grows in it, because what's cool is that, yes, it says health savings account, but within that savings account, you can actually buy stock, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. Like, yeah, that money is in there and you actually can invest that money. Why is that cool? Well, if you think about it, let's just say you're young or you're younger and you're not someone that goes to the doctor or hospital much. You can contribute to this account, put 3500 bucks every year, max it out. And you're like, why am I maxing it out? Look. $3,500, if you do that in the 12 month, that's not 
that much money. But if you need to do less, that's fine. But it's also pre-tax, which means it's reducing your taxable income even more, right? So let's just say you have that account. Let's say you, you have that account. Let's say you put $3,000 in there. And then for four years, you've contributed $12,000. And that money is growing because it's invested. It's invested. So after four years, you have, let's just say, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars $19,000 in there. So if you have to go to the doctor or hospital or something and... You know, you need to pay the deductible, which can be like two grand. If you have the cash for it, right? Because let's just say you're, that's a emergency. You might say, I don't want to touch my health savings account because I want to keep that money in there and to grow. I have money in my savings, the savings account in which you, you save money for unexpected expense and you pay it right out of that savings account. You actually can keep that receipt. And then in 20 years, you can expense it and get that $2,000 back in that account. Or they'll give you a check for it. Or they'll put it back in your bank account. Or you can basically get reimbursed for it right then and there. And they'll put the money in your bank account right then and there. I don't know how you lost there. Now, if you don't have that kind of cash sitting in your savings account and you want to use your health savings account, great. You have money sitting in it. That money now is being used to pay for that particular expense. Because when you have a health savings account, it comes with a card. That card works like a, I don't want to say a debit card, like a credit card that helps pay for these particular expenses. So win-win, right? If you're someone that's basically always at the hospital and you have all these issues, then it's probably not the right plan for you. And I think it's good to always talk to your benefits coordinator to kind of walk, to have them walk you through that or sometimes even talk to the insurance company. Though you have to understand where their mind is to try to understand what's best, but I always look at it if you're young and if you make a lot of money or if you make substantial money, you don't have a lot of debt, you should basically have an HSA because that money is helping your tax bracket and it's basically another money that's being saved long term. And I don't know about you, healthcare costs is increasing every year. So if I have this money sitting in my health savings account, even if later in years I no longer have a healthcare, you know, like a high deductible plan. I still have my HSA and it's still growing and I can still use it for medical stuff. So again, you know, where are we losing here? So I consider this an important account, a crucial account if doable. So if you're self-employed, you can actually think about getting one of these accounts. You can figure out how to get a high deductible plan and then you can sign up to have a, a, a health savings account set up as well. So if you don't know, check with your company and your company's benefits and ask questions. Don't just assume something's not good or bad. Always ask questions to make sure you understand what, how this particular plan or, or not plan can impact you in any particular way. So the fifth account, I'm going to talk about it briefly, but it's a basic savings account. Well, I say basic. You can also make this a high yield savings account, but let's put this in the emergency. Let's put this in the fund category. So before I had emergency fund savings account that you want to have your money in just in case, you know, ish goes down, emergencies, unexpected problems, etc. But let's just say you're saving to buy a house. Let's just say you're saving to buy a car. Let's just say you're saving for vacation. Let's just say you're saving for a project in your house. So you don't want that money tied in with your emergency funds. So you may not even want to have it in the same account. You may not want to have it in the same place. And it all depends. People are clunky like that, which is fine. 
you'd always you don't always have to have your stuff together. Definitely don't keep your emergency fund money and your fund saving money in the same bucket. You can separate those. Even if you want to have them in the same account, but you create different buckets, they should never be in the same bucket. And this account is just basically where you're saving money for one of these fun big purchases that you're going to do. And again, you want to have it in a place where you're getting good interest, um, unlike a savings with one of those uh, brick and mortar banks. And you definitely don't want to have that money in the stock market. You could, but you don't. And the reason for that, there's two. One is you don't want to have to go touch money that you're basically having in the market that's, that's that has to grow. Remember, money you put in the market long term, always. Think of investing forever. Pass you to your kids, to your grandkids. You want to have this your last name synonymous with infinite money supply based on your investments that you started for your family. So you never want to think out, you never want to think of money that you've put in for the short term. And the second is, I mean, let's be, it's obvious one, but what if you put, you know, let's say you basically have a thousand dollars. You're like, okay, I'm going to put a thousand every month in the savings account in the stock market uh, with the hope that it's going to grow. And then in seven months, I'm going to be able to buy this house. What if during that time, the market has a correction or there's a crash and it goes down? Now that money is temporarily gone and you have to wait for it to go back up. So now your project is on pause, right? If you were investing for the long term, you would not care, but because it's not the long term play. So you don't want to put the money, you don't want to put the money in the stock market. You put that in, you either can put in a CD or you can put it in one of those savings accounts that you have and think of it as this is money that you're basically saving for a fun project, buying a house you know, something around the house, nothing emergency. Anything emergency needs to basically be in your emergency fund. And then last but not least, this account, which I think most people open whenever they're starting their financial, especially when they start thinking about investing, is a taxable brokerage account. And what's a taxable brokerage account? If you open an account with Robinhood or any one of these investment banks or, you know, Fidelity or TD Ameritrade, Schwab or E-Trade or Merrill Lynch, typically you're opening a taxable brokerage account. Now, during the application process, they're going to ask you what kind of account you want to open. Most people see IRA and all this stuff and they're like, I don't know what this is. So they basically stick to the basic. Fine. The taxable brokerage account is the most basic investment account you actually can have. It doesn't have any type of tax benefits. It also doesn't have any restrictions. So unlike the IRA and 401k, or even the HSA that basically penalize you for pulling the money out before a specific age because you shouldn't be pulling the money out. The taxable brokerage account doesn't penalize you. Now you do pay taxes based on, you know, if you sell stocks for that are gaining, et cetera, but that's normal. But there are no restrictions on you pulling your money. So if you put 20 grand in there and then in five months that 20 grand is 50 and you wanted to pull it, you can't. You won't get penalized for it. You just have to pay taxes on the fact that your money grew by $30,000. But that's, again, that's normal. Anyone can open a, a taxable brokerage account. As I mentioned, you don't actually have to have restrictions and blah, blah, blah. You know, the Roth IRA, you actually have to, you have to actually have to work to have one. Um, you have to have some kind of income to have one. But the brokerage account, taxable brokerage account, you don't actually have it. If you max out every one of these accounts that I just mentioned, well, Let's talk about the 401k, the Roth, and the HSA. 
and you want to be like, I need more money. I have more money than I need to basically put in the market. Then the taxable spending account is definitely one to do it. Or you want to, this is what me and my boys, we call play account where it's not in your Roth. That's no long term for retirement, not your 401k, but a place where you can basically buy some stuff here and there and sell nothing crazy like a Robin hood. That's I know like some folks basically go to Robin hood and they basically buy stocks. That's a taxable brokerage account. Definitely want to have a taxable brokerage account because it's the cool account to have to basically invest, right? You can go in, buy your stocks. There are no restrictions. You can put, there's not limit restrictions uh, in regards to your deposits that you can make. And so it's a really good account. Sometimes some people will start when it comes to investing with that account first, which to be honest, I don't disagree with. It's definitely an account for quote unquote starters, especially if you're going to need to pull your money out. So I started, I didn't have a Roth. I had a regular taxable brokerage account until I realized that I needed to have an account long-term that presented me with some tax benefits. I did not have a Roth IRA. So a taxable brokerage account provides great flexibility there in regards to that. So I know I said a lot of accounts. Um, again, they're not accounts that we need to go in and just have all at one time. It's an account that can be gradually had. It's cool to think of it as, do I have all my emergency fund money set up in a place? Am I building one? Great. Do I have a 401k? Great. Am I contributing? Great. How much am I putting in there? Can I afford to put more? Awesome. Is there a max? Am I putting up to the max? Greatness. Now, do I have a Roth? No? Okay. Let's set up a Roth. $6,000 a year. Can I afford to put five grand a month? Great. No? Perfect. That's fine. I can increase the contributions. You can automate your investments as well. You remember at the beginning when I mentioned knowing where your money's going? Well, if you think about it, if you have the top, all of these accounts, by the way, beside the last one for now, but if you have all of these accounts, your 401k and your HSA would be tied to your company, which means those money would come out automatically, out of sight, out of mind. So money's going in there automated automatically anyways. And then they're going and they're going to get invested because that's the way they're set up. You can also, right, have money go straight from your checking account, I mean, from your paycheck, directly into those savings accounts without even hitting your bank account. How? Well, you just add your savings account information into your company's direct deposit information, and that money goes straight in there. Again, out of sight, out of mind. Or if you don't want to do that or you think it's too complicated or whatever, then you have the money hit your account. And in the same day, you have an automatic transfer from your checking to your savings, right? Automate your investments. Reason why I said to do it from directly from your company is so that, again, you don't have to think about doing it. It is done for you. And whatever gets deposited in your bank account, that's what's actually used to pay whatever your bills are because you already have your money allocated that you needed to have allocated into these other places. And because that's already set, you know that whatever money you have now is money to pay your bills and to have left over for your wants, quote unquote. So that's the power of automating your investments and your savings so that you don't actually have to think about doing it. It's there. That is also the power of making automatic payments. A lot of people hate it. They only hate it because they live paycheck to paycheck or they don't really know. But once you've taken care of all your stuff and you you don't want to have to worry about making your bills, you just want it to be done. You don't have to worry about it. So it really goes into the same mindset of 
automating all your stuff so that you know that you're you're not falling behind in when it comes to paying yourself or paying your lenders or, or landlord, et cetera, et cetera. So when it comes to like where can you open some of these accounts? Again, when it comes to your employer stuff, it's obviously going to be through them. I kind of already mentioned the health, the high yield savings account. You can go on Google and type best high yield savings accounts or HYSA. Bankrate will give you the top um, savings accounts for April 2021. Nerd Wallet will give you the same. You can look anything over 0.4% annual yield is good. There's some that are even higher than that. I'll just be careful because sometimes they require a certain amount of money to be in there. And then Roth IRA and taxable spending account. Look, I have all my stuff with Fidelity, but I've also like Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Vanguard. You can also do things like Betterment, which is a robo-advisor, which actually will be our next episode. We'll talk about robo-advisors and how those are beneficial to, to a lot of people who just want to do basic, who don't want to do a lot of work. And you can look at some other ones. So you can always go on Google and kind of type best place to open investment accounts and so forth. And you'll start, you'll start to see how they grade them. These obviously my best. These are my favorite. So just make sure that you don't start all over the place. Make sure that you have the foundation of certain accounts set up. And then as you establish, as you kind of grow, yourself financially, you can establish others. It will help you be better with managing your money because look, if you can't manage a thousand dollars, you can't manage five, you won't be able to manage 10. People just think just because they make more money, they're able to manage it better. It starts with the little amounts. So the smaller you start and the better you can manage that, the better you'll be, the more money you make. So thank you guys for um, listening to this episode. As always, thanks for the support. The feedback. If you have any question or anything, hit me up on Instagram. Don't be broke, be woke. Provide some content and um, session one-on-ones on Instagram. And as always, try to uh, stay woke. Don't be broke. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>